0: Thank you for listening to this talk, produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. Welcome to the first public day of Monster Theatres. We're competing with monsters. Listen to that soundscape. That is, of course, Stellark's monster next door. My name is Lisa Slade. I'm the Assistant Director here at the Gallery. We are in Ghana country. The Art Gallery of South Australia stands on Ghana land. Agsa, Gata Yatanga, Yuandi, Natalia. Without further ado, I'd like to first of all introduce our curator and congratulate her. Join me in uh, welcoming Lee Robb.
1: Thank you so much. Welcome um, to our very first sort of public opening morning. And it gives me great pleasure to introduce the incredible Polly Boland. I think a huge round of applause for Polly. I was like, Polly definitely brings the rock star to the show. So there was a there was a moment when we thought, due to various things happening with the the US embassy, that that we wouldn't be able to get Polly here on time. But um, but as always, you've come in and graced the stage, and we're so so delighted to have you here, Polly. Um, we met quite a few, met probably a couple of years ago now, when um, when I'd been following your work for a long time and uh, actually deeply obsessed with you and your work for many, many years. So when the opportunity to curate the biennial came around, I was like, finally, I can get to work with Polly if she says and so there's always a moment when you're meeting an artist for a first time that uh, you know you you have a sort of fangirl moment, and uh, and you really hope that that the context of the biennial or the, the context of the exhibition makes sense of their work, um, and uh, and 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 you know gives an opportunity to to, to show uh, a, a body of work in a certain way. And Polly's Morph series, um, you know, caught my eye. And the way that you've spoken about it, and it's been written about, the making of it, working with a model who's also a psychoanalyst, the creation of these pieces is quite a special story. So, you know, at the heart of Monsters, many of their strategies are morphing or metamorphosis or shifting between forms, um, and so, you know, this is sort of where it begins for Polly. Can you tell us a bit more about the, the creation of this incredible um, body of work?
0: Um, well, basically, most of what I do, one body of work, it kind of then moves to a logical next step creatively. So, um, the series I did before this, well, there were a few series that were kind of almost like... Hold bit Right, a few series that was um, kind of uh, almost not... I don't think fully realised. I think the last fully realised series I did before this was Smudge. And that was um, morphing costumes with human... Um, ..and sort of childhood memories of my own. And, but they were quite human in, in how... Um, in, in ..you could see the humanness in those kind of costumes... And I wanted to kind of get away from the detail of humanness, and go more into a realm that was less identifiably human, and more um, and more sort of uh, simple in visual language. So, not for any necessary intent other than. It was the detail in my work that I kind of wanted to leave behind. I, did, I wasn't kind of interested anymore in that, in the sort of the eyes, the mouth, um, the the you know the clown costumes. You know, there were identifiable costumes as well, animal costumes. So anyway, I I kind of started thinking very much about. And I've never really based a body of work, actually, in this way, but, I mean, one of my favourite... I'm not really a big animation fan, interestingly, but one of my favourite Disney animation is Dumbo. And one of the series... um, One of the sequences in Dumbo is when they get drunk, um, and it becomes this incredible surrealist kind of uh, vision and I think it's Dumbo and the mouse, uh, a drunk and dancing, and it's an incredible sequence. And, um, and so I started thinking about Dumbo, I started thinking about Dr. Zeus, I started thinking about Tony Clark, an Australian artist who always reminds me of Dr. Zeus for some reason. And um, I started sort of conjuring in my mind the kind of visions that I wanted to create. And I found my model who had approached me from... um, ..just she'd emailed me. I knew her mother and she said, I want to be your assistant. And I said, well, I don't need an assistant, but I need a model. But you're going to have to take your clothes off because everyone always has to take their clothes off when I photograph them eventually. And she was fine with that. And she'd just done a whole... Um, master's degree in Lacanian theory... ...and the, sort of the idea of the f- how females are depicted in film... ...and sort of, uh, you know, p- culture... Um, ...and how they're demonised and things like that. So she was perfect for the job and she actually looked like a Russian princess... ...which was a bit of a bonus and she had no problem... ...in taking her clothes off or doing yoga... So, she was actually brilliant, perfect and lovely to have around and didn't listen to me and just read books whenever I was raving on the telephone to somebody. So, she was very good and then and that's how this came about. She came and spent six months with me and then I realised we needed another six months so she was happy. She came and kind of went and I just created these costumes. It was sort of sculptural, they were soft. She was cocooned inside them. She was sensory-deprived. So it was a really interesting experience for her. And there's a book actually in the bookshop called Morph, which she writes an essay about her experience as a model inside the costume and, and what that was like. So it's a really interesting essay. And really that... It was about the reduction of visual language and also about... Entering a kind of pre-conscious state was really what I was trying to do. So it was almost kind of trying to be uh, not science fiction, but almost like pre conceptual um, thought. I don't. Does that make sense? Yeah, so that's really was the idea behind it. And normally I don't approach a body of work like that. And a lot of my work is done instinctively and and visually, but this was very much it had quite clear ideas of what I wanted to do from the beginning.
1: I think the yeah, the the idea of moving between the the, the sort of pre-conscious almost a pre- platonic form, and then the the sort of candidness of the full reclining figure and representing... You were thinking through the representation of females and female subjectivity and the gaze as well. So shifting from, you know, this form that reveals itself but then is also enveloped, masked, enclosed, silenced, um, blinded in some ways, um, how did you get to... Um, many people call it a lenticular but it's also a tabula scolata a ladder picture which uh, shifts as a composite of two two images and this is a sort of double of a double so you move around at both sides. How did you get to that?
0: Well I started doing lenticulars I went and saw this incredible retrospective in Los Angeles where I live at the Geffen um, it's actually mocha but it was the Geffen kind of building and I saw a a Mike Kelly show and he I think was a genius and he did a lot of um, lenticulars but in the modern day form where it sort of looks a bit like those postcards you get that are a kind of what are they called those postcards where they switch shift um, between one image and another. They're Uh, also lenticular aren't they? uh, Yeah Yeah. I, I don't know what they're I think there's another name but anyway they he did a lot of those but they're the modern day version and I went and sort of kind of found someone in Los Angeles that would do those they're like light boxes and you move around them and they're done actually with plastic lenses and I just thought you know my whole thing my sort of aesthetic you know I'm very sort of grounded in the 70s the 70s uh, ...you know, weirdly the 70s and my teenage years in Australia in the 70s. I had a great time as a teenager. I know a lot of people thought teenagehood was hell. I actually had a good time. And um, and also I loved the aesthetic, you know, I was always doing crochet... ...you know, I was always doing sort of crafty things. So a lot of my aesthetic is kind of crafty, I suppose you would say. and. Um, and when I saw these plastic sort of lenses and the way they did the modern day lenticulars, I thought, mm, no that's not for me, even though Mike Kelly had done the most brilliant things with them And so I started googling lenticulars and I discovered that at the turn of the century they'd done this was how they did it and I think you've dated it back before then but um. So, I'd start, started doing, like, wall lenticulars that you couldn't... ..that were kind of uh, 3D but sort of on the wall. And then um, I was asked to be in a show um, in at Los Angeles. And I sort of... Again, it was very much a conjuring. Um, I, I was also brought up as in the 70s with Maco fabric and clothing... And, you know, remember the blocks you used to get... I, I could never do math at school, but the only way I could do math was you had these blocks and each colour was a representation of a number. And you could do learn how to do fractions that way and things like that. And I just remembered these blocks, coloured blocks of wood. They were sort of a little... Uh, pardon? Yeah, Cuisenaire blocks. Yeah, that's what they were called. Anyway, so this, so that's how the colours came about and then I realised that I wanted it to um, be freestanding and I also thought of those cards that you get that you kind of put together and you build like towers and things like that. So I was sort of thinking, a lot of my work's very sort of centred in childhood as well and memories of my own childhood and so we would coming up with this one that was actually thin and just like a a concertina and but we realized that it wouldn't it would be very hard to you'd have to have kind of um, things to hold it up like a a thing on the floor and I didn't I wanted it to just be freestanding on its own so I actually as much as I'm not good at math I came up with that design which I'm actually very proud of I just drew a very rudimentary picture of sort of these triangles and put all the tri and that's how it's put together. They're just sort of triangles, and um, and then I realised that well, if you had that, you could have it double sided. So you, my whole thing is you get you need to get two for one. I think that's a great concept, right? Two for one, and. so... Here, so here actually, you get
1: four for one. Yeah,
0: here you get four for one. It's perfect, right? So, um, anyway, so that's how that came about. And uh, in terms of the psychology of it, I felt that it was really important to reveal who was in the costumes in the final analysis. There's always with me, you get... You kind of get... I reveal the secret or the... the you, you know, I kind of unpack the, the mystery... Um, to my work and so and Sybyla was uh, quite happy for me to do that although we did it at the end which I think was important because we'd ga- gained s- such a close relationship and she had been stuffed in this costume with deprived of everything um, and and so by the end of the year together you know it was, she was happy to pose like this. And, I mean, in the... The is beautiful, actually, cos she sort of says that she ended up being more intimate with me and more free with her body than she'd been with any of her lovers, which is actually really incredible. She stands by the work. Her mother's bought the work from me, not this particular piece, but, um, you know, they love the work and they're, you know, they are sort of royalty-like real posh people in England Um, and but they're an incredible family she's an incredible girl anyway so that's the story behind the lenticular it's sort of about revealing what's inside the costume and I know that sounds a bit sort of doesn't sound that kind of deep or anything it's pretty basic but you know read what you will into it (laughs)
1: <laughs> I think now <laughs> I think um, now might be a good chance to, to take some questions um, because we have this rare uh, opportunity with uh, an audience with Polly Borland. so I'm going to throw open some questions to, to the group because we've, we've probably got about another uh, seven minutes together. So um, are there any other there? Any, uh, how do the forms? How do you create the compositions? The forms in each um, particular photograph. Well, basically,
0: um, I found on the internet these sort of tubes that were were stocking tubes. God knows who was using them for what. I have no idea. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and. <laughs> And the only colours you could get were black and the kind of nude colour and pink. And um, I was desperate to find other colours, never did. Anyway, I just bought loads of them, you know, sort of $10 each or something. And they're quite big and they're very stretchy. And I just put sort of synthetic um, uh, cushion... Uh, stuffing into them and she used to get inside the tube and the tube had an opening at one end and a, it was closed at the other end and I would create the kind of costumes around her and it was very um, spontaneous and very in the moment. I mean, that was the other great thing. I was sort of creating sculpture as I was, as I was doing the photographs and each day I'd go in and we'd create a new costume and as I started getting the roles of film back, because I still shoot film, um, you know, I could start to see what was working and what wasn't. So it did become um, more kind of, you know, I was more informed as I kept going um, and then I could maybe be a little bit more strategic about what I thought was working and what wasn't. But on the whole, a lot of the time it was it was I went in and I just did it. And most of the time, weirdly, it kind of worked. So, yeah, that's
1: I, how I did it. I guess it also kept morphing as it went along. Yeah, it was so. definitely
0: a morphing. <laughs> it was a morphing, you know, and we then would start to see, we'd, I'd edit it as I go too, which I didn't normally do. So, I'd pin up these little 10 by 8 pictures and we'd look at them. And so, we'd lived with the work as we were doing it. And, you know, then we could see, like, the one over there looks like a turtle. You know, some of them remind me of, of um, you know, th- things. But others childhood don't childhood pets. Me. <laughs> others don't remind me of anything. But anyway, yes, yeah, sorry, go on. Well, I think there's, a, there's definitely a mutation. But again, I was trying to get away from human. But then slowly the human started to come back into it as we went along. Slowly you know, you could sort of either see parts of her body or you could see that there were legs and... Um, ..but it was definitely about a morph... Well, actually, I only came up with the morph-, morph as the title at the end. Like, it took me a long time to come up with the word morph. It's so obvious now. <laughs> but, um, you know, we were going through all sorts of uh, titles and-, and finally morph came to mind. Um, you know, it was at one point you know we were it was reminded me of the those lava lamps and things like that. but um it was definitely a metamorphosis as we went along. I, I mean I think you know live sculpture is is metamorphic anyway um, but I was just trying to get away from the human away from the conscious, away from ..identifiable visual language that, you know, where you could... ..you know, cos all my work's been really about human. Well, I think it was uncomfortable for her. (laughs) But it wasn't that uncomfortable for me. I mean, (laughs) um, she actually wasn't uncomfortable. Sometimes she was hot, you know, so we had to get her out. Um, Cos we did it in summer as well as winter. Um, so, but it wasn't uncomfortable for me because it was very, um, uh, it was just really came very easily to me, weirdly, and again, not all bodies of work are like that
1: for me. Well, it seems that there was a profound sense of trust and reciprocity in the, in the, the direction, the exchange, the relationship between you as a photographer and director and her as model and subject, um, and also, I guess, there's an interesting, Psychoanalytic relationship there as well uh, in, in in that space, but it's quite beautiful the way that you're talking about um, metamorphosis and morphing and going from maybe some of the earlier works which are very um, ambiguous and through the process then she completely like a sort of chrysalis or a, a butterfly sort of then metamorphosizes and and then re- sort of reveals um, you you know I guess sheds that skin and and uh, and and then we've sort of following a cycle of, of works in a way here within this um, within this gallery space.
0: Yeah, no, and I mean also I should say that I'm so grateful to Lee for inviting me into this community and, um, you know, for me it's a privilege to be in this gallery but also amongst all these incredible artists. Um, well, again, that's, I was trying to strip away the identifiable visual language and I think... Uh, with all my work there's a sexual element to it or a sensual element but I'm not, that's not what, that's never been, that's one of my sort of my own subconscious or conscious preoccupations but it's never the intent of the work. So, but as I said, that it does work. There's a lot of mystery, there's a lot of people being able to kind of uh get what they want from the work and it's definitely it's supposed to be non-human specific so it's it's and in terms of the monster um read Claire's essay <laughs> She's the one that's really articulate about the monster and actually Lee too. Um, But, you know, I think, yeah, I couldn't say it better than it was said already, actually,
1: the monster. Um, Thank you, Polly, (laughs) for being so generous with your work, with your time, with your ideas. (laughs) And for getting here.